Hey everybody, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. I hope it's really helping you grow in the Lord. But I just wanted to take a second just to talk about this great tool that I've been using to bring the Word of God to people. Anchor is a tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to listening platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and a lot more. So it's really been helping me reach people that I can't go to their house and actually teach them a Bible study. So it's everything you need in the podcast in one place. The best of all, Anchor, and it's totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Word Bible study with Pastor Dan and the family. Yeah. Hey, good morning. We're ready to go into God's word with you all today. And we're excited because we have our family here, right, guys? Saw you there? Yeah. We are here, ready to go. You have your family because we're about to wrap up the book of John. And then we've gone through all four Gospels, guys. Isn't that cool? Yes. So so let's kick it off with chapter 15. We're going to go 15 through the end of the book, which is chapter 21 today. So let's start in chapter 15. Verse number one. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. You can ask for what, guys? Anything that you want. Anything, right. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command love each other if the world hates you remember that it hated me first the world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it 
but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out from the world, so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is no greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. They will do all this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. They would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me also hates my father. If I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they would not be guilty. But as it is, they have seen everything I did, yet they still hate me and my father. This fulfills what is written in the scriptures. They hated me without cause. But I will send you the advocate. Here, What's the advocate, guys? The Holy Ghost. Yeah, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. That's powerful. That's why we got to testify about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Chapter 16, guys. I have told you these things so that you wouldn't abandon your faith, for you will be expelled from the synagogues, and the time is coming when those who kill you will think they are doing a holy service for God. This is because they have never known the Father or me. Yes, I am telling you these things now so that when they happen you will remember my warnings. I didn't tell you them earlier because I was going to be with you for a while longer. But now I am going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I am going. Instead, you grieve because of what I have told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I didn't, the advocate wouldn't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness. And of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father. And you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. In a little while, you won't see me anymore. But a little while after that, you will see me again. Some of the disciples ask each other, what does he mean when he says, in a little bit you won't see me, but then you will see me, and I am going to the Father, and what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand. Jesus realized that they wanted to ask him about it, so he said, are you asking yourselves what I meant? I said, in a little while you won't see me, but in a little while after that you will see me again. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, 
but your grief will suddenly turn into wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish gives away to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice, and no one can rob you of that joy. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly, and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. I have spoken these matters in figures of speech, but soon I will stop speaking figuratively, and I will tell you plainly about the Father. Then you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. Yes, I came from the Father into the world, and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. Then the disciples said, At last you are speaking plainly and not figuratively. Now we understand that you know everything, and there is no need to question you. From this we believe that you came from God. And Jesus asked, Do you finally believe? But the time is coming, indeed it's here now when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. I have told you all this, so that you may have peace in you. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. Amen. That's amazing, guys. We can, we can take heart and be peaceful and full of joy, because we know that Jesus has overcome this world. Isn't that powerful, so guys? Good. Yeah. yeah. Makes everything just seem so easy. Yeah. You know? We're going to move on to chapter 17, and this is the prayer of Jesus, guys. So he's going to teach us how to pray here. After saying all these things, or no, this isn't where he teaches us. This is just where he prays. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up into heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father... Bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you have given me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I come from you. And they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, 
You have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name. So you hear that, guys? Jesus was given the name of God. That's why they're one. They got the same name. Cool. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost, except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. Now I am coming to you, and I told them many things while I was with them in this world, so that they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to this world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I have given myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who have, will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world may know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want those who you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me, because you loved me even before the world began. O oh, righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do, and these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. That's powerful, guys. So that's exactly what happens when the Holy Ghost is in us. We become one with God when we're filled with the Holy Ghost. It's beautiful. You know how important that is, guys? So important. I know Saul just got the Holy Ghost, and Victor's going to get it next. Yes. And that's is. what we have to look forward to is becoming one with God. Amen. He actually comes to live inside our heart. Helps our decision-making. Yeah. Gives us the power joy over us. sin. That's powerful. Right. So let's start chapter 18. After saying these things, Jesus crossed the Kindred Valley with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees. Judas, the betrayer, knew this place because Jesus had often gone there with his disciples. The leading priests and Pharisees had given Judas a contingent of Roman officers and temple guards to accompany him. Now, with blazing torches, lanterns, and weapons, they arrived at the olive grove. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him, so he stepped forward to meet them. 
Who are you looking for? He asked. Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am, Jesus said. Now it says, I am he in this Bible. But in the original version, Jesus said, I am, just like just like God told Moses, I am the I am. That's why this is so powerful that he didn't say, I am he. He actually said, I am. Jesus said that, and then Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. As Jesus said, I am, they all drew back and fell to the ground. Once more, he asked them, who are you looking for? And again, they replied, Jesus of Nazareth. I tell you that I am, Jesus said. And since I am the one you want, let these others go. He did this to fulfill his own statement. I did not lose a single one of those you have given me. Wow. Then Simon Peter drew out his sword. Listen to this, Saul. He drew out his sword and slashed off the right ear of Malachus, the high priest slave. Cut his ear right off, dude. But Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into the sheath. Shall I have shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me? So Jesus didn't really like that he cut his ear off, did he? No, he did not. No. He's like, eh, we shouldn't do that. Because it was Jesus knew that he had to go to the cross and die, right? Right. He had to pay for our sins. That's why he told him, like, don't no do this. reason for fighting. It's and... time for me to do what God sent me to do. Yep. So the soldiers, so the soldiers, their commanding officer, and the temple guards arrested Jesus and tied him up. First they took him to Ananias, since he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest at that time. Caiaphas was the one who told the other Jewish leaders, it is better that one man should die for the people. So he knew all along that Jesus was going to die for our sins. I think, I think he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to know that. Simon Peter followed Jesus, as did another of the disciples. The other disciple was acquainted with the high priest, so he was allowed to enter the high priest's courtyard with Jesus. Peter had to stay outside at the gate. Then the disciple who knew the high priest spoke to the woman watching the gate, and she let Peter in. The woman asked Peter, You're not one of the man's disciples, are you? No, he said, I am not. Because it was cold, the household servants and the guards had made a charcoal fire. They stood around it, warming themselves, and Peter stood with them, warming himself. Inside, the high priest began asking Jesus about his followers and what he had been teaching them. Jesus replied, Everyone knows what I teach. I have preached regularly in the synagogues and in the temple where the people gather. I have not spoken in secret. Why are you asking me this question? Ask those who heard me. They know what I said. Then one of the temple guards standing nearby slapped Jesus across the face. Is that the way to answer the high priest, he demanded? And Jesus replied, If I said anything wrong, you must prove it. But if I'm speaking the truth, why are you beating me? Then Ananias bound Jesus and sent him to Caiaphas, the high priest. Meanwhile, as Simon Peter was standing by the fire warming himself, they asked him again, You're not one of his disciples, are you? 
He denied it, saying, No, I am not. But the one of the household slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Didn't I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus? Again, Peter denied it, and immediately the cock crowed. Remember, Jesus told him that was going to happen. Yep. Jesus' trial before Caiaphas ended in the early hours of the morning when he was taken to the headquarters of the Roman governor. His accusers didn't go inside because it would defile them, and they wouldn't be allowed to celebrate the Passover. So Pilate, the governor, went out to them and asked, What is the charge against this man? We wouldn't have handed him over if he weren't a criminal, they retorted. Then take him away and judge him by your own law, Pilate told them. Only the Romans are permitted to execute someone, the Jewish leaders replied. This fulfilled Jesus' prediction about the way he would die. Then Pilate went back into the headquarters and called for Jesus to be brought to him. Are you the king of the Jews, he asked him. And Jesus replied, Is this your own question, or did others tell you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate retorted. Your own people and their leading priests brought you to me for trial. Why? What have you done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. And Pilate said, So you are a king. And Jesus re responded, You say I am a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. What is truth? Pilate asked. Then he went out again to the people and told them, He is not guilty of any crime. But you have a custom of asking me to release one prisoner each year for Passover. Would you like me to release the king of the Jews? But they shouted back, No, not this man. We want Barabbas. Barabbas was a revolutionary. So you believe that, guys? They had an opportunity, and they said, No, we don't want Jesus. We want Barabbas. Wow. Isn't that sad? All right, we're on to chapter 19 now, guys. That means we only got three left in this whole book of John. So let's start in verse 1. Then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. The soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put a purple robe on him. Hail, King of the Jews, they mocked as they slapped him across the face. Pilate went inside again and said to the people, I am going to bring him out to you now, but understand clearly I find him not guilty. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said, Look, here is the man. When they saw him, the leading priests and temple guards began shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! Take him yourself and crucify him, Pilate said. I find him not guilty. The Jewish leaders replied, By our law he ought to die, because he called himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. He took Jesus back to the headquarters again and asked him, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. 
Why don't you talk to me? Pilate demanded. Don't you realize I have the power to release you or crucify you? Then Jesus said, You would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you is the greater sinner. Then Pilate tried to reason with him, but the Jewish leaders shouted, If you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who declares himself a king is a rebel against Caesar. When they said this, Pilate brought Jesus out to them again. Then Pilate sat down on the judgment seat on the platform called the Stone Pavement. In Hebrew, Gabbatha. It was now about noon on the day of preparation for the Passover. And Pilate said to the people, Look, here is your king. Away with him, they yelled. Away with him. Crucify him. What? Crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the leading priest shouted back. Then Pilate turned Jesus over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus away, carrying the cross by himself. He went to a place called the place of the skull. In Hebrew, it's called Golgotha. There, they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on either side, with Jesus between them. And Pilate posted a sign on the cross that read, Jesus of Nazareth the king of the Jews. The place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, so that many people could read it. Then the leading priest objected and said to Pilate, Change it from the king of the Jews to he said I am the king of the Jews. But Pilate replied, No, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes among the four of them, and they also took his robe, but it was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said, rather than tear it apart, let's throw dice for it. This fulfilled the scriptures that says, they divided my garments among themselves and they threw dice for my clothing. So that is what they did. Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Colopus, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on the disciple took her into his home. So did you hear that, guys? They gambled for his clothes. Isn't that crazy? Jesus must have had some really nice clothes, huh? Threw dice to win his Clothing? Would you guys want a shirt that Jesus wore? So they basically went to a casino and gambled. <laughs> they gambled clothes. like they were at a casino, didn't they? But you know how like you go to like people go to wrestling and they buy a shirt, or they go to football games and they buy a jersey. Everybody wanted a piece of Jesus. We could have got a shirt from Jesus. Although I wouldn't be a guard crucifying him. That would I wouldn't want to be that guy. But guess what? <clears throat> I got a little piece of Jesus in me with the Holy Ghost. Right. We didn't need to gamble. Yeah, we don't need a T-shirt. Yeah. To be in us. Yeah. We don't need a T-shirt because he's going to live inside of us. Right. Jesus knew that his mission was now fulfilled. And to fulfill the scriptures, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and they held it up to his lips. 
When Jesus tasted it, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It was the day of preparation, and the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there until the next day, which was the Sabbath, and a very special Sabbath, because it was Passover week. So they asked Pilate to hasten their deaths by ordering their legs to be broken. Then the bodies could be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead. So they didn't break his legs. <coughs> they didn't break his legs. You know, that there was a prophecy that Jesus wouldn't break a bone. That's why. Wow. One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water flowed out. This report from an eyewitness giving an inaccurate account. He speaks the truth so that you also may continue to believe. Now, you guys want to know why water and blood came out of him? Because he's Jesus and baptized with water. Oh, that's that's a really good point, Saul. Because he said you must be born of water and spirit. So blood and water, that that's cool. But I was always taught that the doctors say if you if your heart breaks, if you have a heart attack, that water is released into your around your heart. So they say that doctors claim that Jesus actually died from a broken heart. Aww. That's how much he loved us. That all of our sin, when it was piled on him, it broke his heart. That's why we try not to sin every day, right? Because we know sin breaks Jesus' heart. All right. Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave him permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had came to Jesus by night. Remember who Nicodemus is? He's the guy that asked Jesus how to, how to inherit eternal life, and Jesus told him he had to be born again. He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Following Jewish burial customs, they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices and a long sheet and linen cloth. The place of the crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb never before used. And so because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus' body there. So they wrapped Jesus up in the linen, and they laid his body in there. This is going to be important on the resurrection, because remember, they wrapped him up. So if someone came and stole his body, they wouldn't unwrap him, right? That would take too much time. They would have just grabbed his body and ran. So they're gonna, we're going to see something special about that. Chapter 20. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb, and they were both running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stopped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings laying there, but he didn't go in. So see, he saw the wrappings laying there. That's how he knew someone didn't just take Jesus' body, but Jesus disappeared and the wrappings fell. 
They claim they still have those same wrappings today and that there's like uh, markings of Jesus' body that was burned into it. We're going we're gonna to have to look it up. The Shroud of shroud of Torin, is it, I believe? Something Can like we that. We'll burned look it up. into it or it was from they, the They say it was like burned into it when, he, when, he, when his body was resurrected that the light from it cast like a burn on the inside of it and you can see kind of what Jesus's face looks like. Wow. We'll look it up later. So if anybody knows the real name of that, they're going to make fun of this <laughs> podcast, but that's all right. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside and he also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus's head, that's the actual cloth I was talking about, was folded up and laying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stopped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels one sitting at the head and the others at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied. But I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there, and it was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said. If you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said, and she turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which means in Hebrew, teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go and find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord, and she gave them this message. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. What is his nickname, guys? Doubting Thomas. Yeah, Doubting Thomas, remember? Yeah. This is why. They told him, we have seen the Lord. And he replied, I, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand in the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The door was locked, but suddenly... As before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. And he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here and look at my hands. Put your hand in my wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. 
That's crazy. If you guys could put your finger in the holes in Jesus' hand, would you believe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we're blessed because we believe and we don't. Yeah, good job, Saul. We already believe and we didn't even have to do that. My Lord and my God, Thomas explained. So that's the first thing Thomas said after he did all that. He said, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, listen to this. This is what we were talking about, Saul. You believe because you have seen me, but blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Isn't that awesome, guys? That's us. We're going to be blessed for believing in God when we haven't seen him. Right. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. All right, I think this is the last chapter right here, guys. Chapter 21. Here we go. Later... Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. That This is how it happened. Several disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Canaan in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and the two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat. But they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach. But the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, Fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. (coughs) Then he said, Throw out your net on the right side of the boat and and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Just like in the beginning, guys. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Then, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, and jumped into the water and headed to shore. The others stayed in the boat and pulled in the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about a hundred yards from the shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread bring some of the fish that you just caught jesus said so simon peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore there were a hundred and fifty three large fish and yet the net hadn't torn now come and have some breakfast jesus said none of the disciples dared to ask him who are you they knew it was the lord then jesus served them the bread and the fish This was the third time Jesus had appeared to the disciples since he was raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know that I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. The third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked him the question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. 
When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take care of you and take you where you want to go. Jesus said this to let him know what kind of death that he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple that Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during the supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? And Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? And Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? So for you, follow me. So the rumor spread among the community of believers that the disciple wouldn't die. But that isn't what Jesus said at all. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This disciple is the one who testifies to the events that has recorded them here. And he knew that his account of these things is accurate. Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. You guys hear that? So out of all of the Gospels, it says that still all the miracles we heard about and all the wonderful things that Jesus did, we still haven't heard all of the stories that Jesus did. Wow. If they wrote them all down, the world couldn't contain all of the books. I bet. Isn't that amazing, guys? It's amazing. And he's still doing stuff today in our lives and in everyone's life that we know. That's how great our God is. So we just finished the book of John, guys. Yay! Let's let's say a prayer, and then we'll we'll end this. And next time we're gonna pick it up in the book of Acts. We're gonna see what the church did after Jesus came back from the dead and told them how to run the church. Isn't that exciting, guys? Oh yeah. All right, so let's bow our head and close our eyes, and let's say a little prayer. Dear Jesus, we come to you today, God, grateful to be in your presence this morning, God. To be able to spend time in your word with our family and with our loved ones and with everyone listening today, God. We love that your gospels show us how your son lived here on earth, God. And we're so excited to be wrapping up the four books that show us the light of the world, God. We love you and we appreciate everything that you did by coming to earth and dying for our sins so that we could be free to live for you, God. We worship you, God. We want you to touch everyone who's listening, that everybody who's heard this Bible study, that it will strike in their heart and that they will grow a love for God and that they will go out and they'll witness to everybody that they come in contact with, just like this book instructs us. So we worship you and thank you for everything. And everybody say in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So that's all for tonight. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Thank you. We love you all. And until next time, God bless. Say goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Good night. <laughs>